case, if you're able to do this on a daily basis, you can try it out and see, uh, you know, really put into practice what we're learning. And in that way, test it for yourself and also be able to come back um, with very direct questions, you know, that you've had that have arisen from trying the meditation. And also, if you practice in a, in a daily way, then when you receive the teachings, the teachings are going to make some kind of sense to you. If you don't practice it, then as I, you know, start describing all these mental factors, it's going to seem like a bunch of gobbledygook and technical, uh, you know, technical categories. But if you try and practice it, then you'll see these different things in your mind. Okay. So uh, we've been in the middle of talking about the five hindrances to developing uh, calm abiding. The first one was laziness. The grossest kind of laziness is just the inability to get ourselves on the cushion. So we overcame that. Okay, we're here. Then the second obstacle arose, (laughs) which is forgetting the object of meditation. And this might be where a lot of you, you know, were in, in the session. Because, you know, if you're using, let's say, the visualized image of the Buddha, some of you might be using the breath or another object. So I'm just using this as an example. Um, you, you try and remember the object of the Buddha, and your mind goes blank. Yeah, All of a sudden, you can't remember what the Buddha looked like. Or you try and put your mind on the object, and it's like that. You're gone. You know, there's no mindfulness. There's no ability to to hold the object for for longer than you know <laughs> two breaths. <laughs> okay, so that that that's the second obstacle. Just to be able to remember what the object of meditation is, and we overcome that obstacle by generating our mindfulness again and again and again. And here, mindfulness doesn't mean. It, exactly what it means in the Vipassana tradition. Remember I was saying that this word has different definitions according to use? In the Theravada tradition, you know, um, mindfulness is, is basically bearing witness, being aware of what's going on in the mind and bearing witness. This is a lot how it's used in the Burmese tradition. Um, but here, mindfulness is remembering the object of meditation. Okay, so actually remembering breath, remembering the image of the Buddha in such a way that uh, the mind is able to remain continuous on it and distraction is prevented. Okay? So we have to develop some continuous ability to keep the mind on the object. That's our next job after we sit down. Okay, so those are the first two obscure, the first two hindrances. Now, once we've kind of gotten somewhere with them, doesn't mean that we've overcome them completely. Sometimes we still can't get ourselves on the cushion. Sometimes we still can't hold on to the object of meditation. But kind of in general, then the next thing that happens is that we're able to have some mindfulness on the object of meditation, but then we get other interruptions. And these two interruptions, uh, basic ones, are called laxity and excitement. Okay? So those two together consist of the third hindrance. Okay? So the third hindrance is really two. Um, Remember, symmetry is stupid. Excitement. In some books, 
Laxity is translated as dullness or sinking, and excitement is translated as agitation. So I'm going to kind of describe what these mean, so because the English words don't completely give you the feeling of what, what these two mental factors are. And here we're also going to talk about a whole bunch of other mental factors. But before we get into that, when we're developing calm abiding, two main qualities we want to develop. One is called stability, and this is the ability to re- keep your mind on the object, okay, to make the mind stable. Um, it's, it's a continuity of mindfulness on a chosen object, okay? So to have stability, you need mindfulness, you need memory of the object, and you need some concentration or samadhi to keep your, to keep your attention there for some continuous period of time. So with stability, the mind is somehow engrossed with, engrossed with the object. It's captivated by the object, and the mind is stable on it. It's not bouncing all over the universe. Okay, that's one quality we need to develop as we're, you know, practicing here. The other quality is clarity. Okay, now clarity here, we usually think of clarity meaning that the, that the object of meditation is clear, but actually here, clarity is referring more to the subjective mind being clear. Okay. So the mind being clear, the mind having some kind of quality of um, vividness, of lucidity. Um, okay. And so we have to have this kind of clarity or lucidity, mental clarity from the side of our mind. And then by having that, then slowly we'll also get the clarity of the object. And then we have to make this clarity quite intense. Now, there are some cases where um, the mind is is, um, quite clear. For example, uh, when we have very strong, disturbing attitudes, there's a certain subjective clarity. Okay, when you when we have a lot of attachment, our mind is not dull. Yeah, it's not falling asleep. When we have a lot of jealousy or anger, the mind there's a certain lucidity or vividness about the mind, and this is what is used in tantra when we talk about transforming the disturbing attitude, transforming the delusions, is using this lucidity or vividity of mind. Um, that's a subjective quality of the mind state, to use that in a positive way to develop concentration. That's one way that we, that we transform the delusions. Okay? But when we have the, the delusions or disturbing attitudes, the, the, there might be a certain subjective clarity, but there isn't always an objective clarity. Okay? Sometimes there is. When you're really attached to chocolate cake, your mind is, is vivid, and the image of the chocolate cake is vivid. But sometimes we get this other kind of attachment or other kind of anger where the object isn't real vivid, but the mind it has a lot of energy. So that can sometimes happen where you have the subjective clarity and you don't have the objective clarity. It can also happen, for example, when we sit down and we're starting to meditate on the image of the Buddha, and our mind is clear. We have a lot of kind of enthusiasm and gusto for doing the meditation, but the image of the Buddha isn't very clear. 
Okay, that, you know, you might have had that happen because we just aren't used to visualizing the image of the Buddha. Yeah. So slowly through practicing again and again and repeating it, then we're also going to get the clarity of the object, even though the mind is clear. Yeah. Sometimes we can have a certain clarity of the object, but the subjective mind isn't so clear. You know, and you might find this sometimes that you have, you know, you have the object, but something in your mind you can feel it's like something's vague, something slightly spaced out. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to sit on your cushion, but the fight with the boss yesterday is still sort of maddening. No, it's like you have the clarity of the meditation object. In this case, the um, the image of the Buddha. But somehow your mind isn't completely alert and vivid and lucid on it. Okay. It's kind of like they give the analogy of you might be driving in the car and you know, you see the sign for the next exit and you know that that's your exit and you drive right past it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that kind of quality comes up in the meditation too. You're there but you're not completely there. So in that case, you have the object, the objective clarity, but the subjective clarity of the mind isn't there. What we really need to work on very much is the subjective clarity, okay? So those are two qualities that we really need to develop in our meditation, and we need to have strength in both of them, okay? Now, the things that interrupt the stability and the clarity are the laxity and the excitement, okay? And laxity chiefly um, inhibits the clarity, and excitement chiefly inhibits the uh, stability, okay? Because with the laxity, you're getting spaced out. The clarity of your mind isn't so strong. With uh, um, excitement, the mind is quite restless. It's very easy to lose the object. The mind isn't real stable. Now, there's various, <laughs> so, so the laxity and, and the, ad, the excitement are two mental factors. They're among the uh, 20 mental factors, the 20 um, auxiliary or secondary mental factors. Okay. Now, there's another mental factor. Um, actually, they aren't, they aren't uh, I don't think laxity is explicitly listed among the 20, but it's included in them. Okay, <laughs> so don't think 20 is limited to 20. There's another one that is called lethargy, and this one is definitely listed in, in the 20. And lethargy is something uh, that comes from ignorance, and it, it, it's a branch of ignorance, and it's a heaviness of body and mind. It's a state of being very close to sleep. So it's different from laxity. Laxity is you're spaced out. Okay, lethargy is when your spaced outedness has gotten really extreme, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of, you know how you get in that state? I mean, you start out in your meditation and your mind is kind of clear and, and you meditate for a while and then the mind gets a little bit vague and a little bit spaced out but you're still kind of on the object and then 
as you watch, it's like the mind just, it just keeps getting vaguer and vaguer, kind of like you're falling asleep. And you might even have other images, just this kind of dreamlike, trance-like thing. And then all of a sudden, you go, have you had that when you meditate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay? So that that's uh, lethargy. Okay? The mind and body are getting really heavy. Okay? So why laxity can be... Um, sometimes even virtuous in nature, like if you're focused on a virtuous object, or it could be, you know, neutral or whatever. But lethargy is either neutral or it's it's a defilement, you know, kind of the entity is something unwholesome or non-virtuous. Okay. Um, so it causes unserviceability or inflexibility of the body and mind. This is the lethargy. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Now they say, so your question is, if the image of the Buddha isn't so clear, should you either look at something or should you look at something like a flower or, you know, a baseball or something like that? Visualize that. <laughs> Um, and they say that there's special advantage to using the image of the Buddha because it, it helps you generate refuge, it helps you recall the Buddha's qualities, and that visualizing a flower or a baseball doesn't have that effect. And in fact, could, you know, from a baseball, visualizing a baseball, you're putting that image in your mind again and again. <laughs> Again, you know, um, it isn't the image that you really want in your mind to remember all the time. So I don't, they don't usually recommend switching to another object that you're more familiar with, unless it's, let's say, Chenrezig or Tara or the breath or one of these other objects that we've talked about. Okay? So um, if you're working on the image of the Buddha, but it isn't clear, you know, so either switch to another object the Buddha recommended or look at a picture of, of the Buddha before you start. Have one picture that you use pretty regularly and spend some time just looking at it and then closing your eyes and remembering it. Yeah. Kind of like when you, when you look at your bills, you can close your eyes and see them. Yeah. <laughs> and you know sometimes when you take tests, you know which side of the page the answer is on. Yeah, you can kind of visualize which side of the page in the book the answer's on and what things look like. So it's that same kind of, of, of you know, faculty. Look at, at a picture or a drawing or something, and then just close your eyes and remember it. Yeah? And keep working like that. Because I think one of the chief difficulties why the image of the Buddha is not clear is because we're not used to thinking about the Buddha. You know, we're more, we're more used to thinking about baseball and ice cream. But this is what we want to, you know, recondition our mind about. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can remember that. I mean, it's good to remember the Buddha's body is made of light and it's not heavy, you know, and things like that. And it's good to have the feeling of the Buddha's qualities. But you're, the main thing you're concentrating on is the image. 
Yeah. But that doesn't mean blocking out all those feelings because those feelings can be quite enriching and can help you make the image vivider, more vivid. Okay? Like if you start having like a really strong feeling of the kindness of the Buddha, for example. Yeah? Try and make it both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like being able to look at somebody and say, I love you at the same time. Yeah, you can do that, can't you? You can feel love and look at somebody at the same time. So it's like that. 